Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Hey, Slate Church. Great to see you. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Nate, for calling out the new haircut. I wasn't going to say anything about it, but now I feel like I was wondering. I saw myself uh, doing the MC announcements this past week with this haircut. I was like, I don't know if you can really trust a person talking to you with a mullet. But if you're asking that question, the answer is you can. But I absolutely understand why you're asking the question. But listen, we have uh, a really cool opportunity today to dig into God's Word. And I'm really excited to share a little bit of what God has been teaching me through the Scriptures. Uh, Before we even jump into that, I want to introduce myself. My name is Jim. Jared Moore. I'm part of the team here at Slate Church, and I get to work with a lot of our volunteers in the morning services here in Waterloo, and it's a blast to be able to um, just serve alongside of them. And I have an opportunity today to share a little bit out of God's Word for us, and I want to thank Pastor Brandon and Pastor Emma for giving me the opportunity. It's a huge honor to be able to share with our church some of what God has been placing on my heart, and so I just want to thank them um, for their leadership and for just opening a door of opportunity for me to be able to communicate some of God's Word to our church today. All right, so we're going we're gonna to jump right into it. We are in our uh, countdown series, okay? This is week one. I'm excited to kind of kick that off for us. Listen, the countdown series, we're going to be talking about a bunch of different things as we approach fall launch. We are launching live services again on September 12th. It's been a long time since we've been doing live services. Uh, It's been a lot of just like working in the studio here, filming, recording, and that's all going to change in this next little bit. We've got a new season on the horizon for us as a church, and so we want to take some time as a church to focus in on what we're actually going to be doing, the kind of church we want to be when we uh, when we launch again in the fall. And listen, we've learned a lot of things over this COVID season. We've picked up a lot of great like learnings and, and deeper understandings of why we do what we do and what is the most important thing for our church to be focusing on. We've been talking about discipleship a lot more as a church. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit a lot more as a church. We've been uh, coming up with this thing called Locals, which is how do we actually combine all these things that God has been placing on our heart as a church and see them outworked in our community and in our city. And listen, we're really excited for what the fall is going to bring and all that stuff. But there are even more things that we want to grow in as a church. We're coming on four years this September as a church. And listen, there are, there's more that God wants to do in our church and there's more that God wants to do in each one of us. And so we want to speak to a little bit of that in this countdown series as we prepare ourselves for the fall launch. So we're going to be reading out of the book of Matthew today. So if you've got a Bible on you, um, praise God, why don't you open it up to Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. It's going to be on the screen in some uh, capacity, but I'm going to read this story and it's a story of, uh, Jesus with his disciples, okay? So Jesus is with his disciples, and they're all kind of just hanging out. And there's a request that's made of Jesus by the mother of two of his disciples, of James and John. Their mother's there. She makes a request of Jesus, and and a bit of the story unfolds. And then Jesus teaches them a a really valuable lesson. So I'm just going to jump into it really quickly. Uh, Matthew 20, verse 20, it says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it that you want? He asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, 
and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Great passage of scripture. Why don't we pray and then we'll dive into what uh, that all means for us today. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to gather in your house today, God. Whether we are watching over a screen at home or whether we are at a watch party, God, or whether we're tuning in online later, whatever, uh, whatever, however we found this, God, we thank you that your presence is here with us. And God, we just ask that today, as we dig into your word, Lord, as we look at the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus to his disciples here today, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to new things maybe we've never seen in your word before, that we would be receptive, God, that our hearts would be open as you speak to us today. We love you and we thank you that just even as we pray, you're hearing our, our words today, God, and we pray that you would speak through me to our church to, to just prepare us for all that you have for us as we launch into the fall. We love you, God, and ask all of this in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Everybody said, amen. Listen, fall's coming. Relaunch is coming. We're really excited about it as a church. And every time we go into a new season, and every time I go into a new season personally, I always kind of look back at the past season that I've been in and kind of analyze, well, what did I learn in this past season? And what do I want to bring from that into the new one? And what do I want to change? What do I not like about what I've picked up in this last season and move into the next one? My dad said something to me all the time growing up. He always said, every season that you're in is preparing you for the next one. And we've come out of a year and a half of COVID, a year and however long we've been in, in lockdown and different uh, restrictions and parameters and limitations on our life. And so I'm looking back over this last year and a half, which has felt like four years, five years. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, oh yeah, our, our uh, daughter's you know, a year and a half now. And I'm like, man, I thought they were going to be like walking around and a toddler and all of this stuff, but they're just a kid because it's only been a year and a half, but it's felt like forever. And I'm processing through all of this and I'm going, what have I picked up that I don't like? What have I picked up that I do and what do I want to focus on as we go into this new season? And one of the things that I realized that I have picked up that I don't really love is I have very, very little patience for people now. I don't know where this came from. I don't know why I have it. I think it's because of all the different opinions that have been flying around over the last year and a half. But my patience for people is really, really uh, low. It's very thin. I also had a baby two months ago and I'm pretty tired so maybe that's like what's affecting it but I think that a lot of times I just get agitated with people man. I feel misunderstood by people. I feel like I misunderstand people. I don't understand like the way that people think sometimes. I'm like why would you do that? Why would you do this instead of this? Why would you say that instead of this? Why would you think that way? Why would you like act that way? I don't understand and it gets me really frustrated and I know that it's getting to me when I, I, uh, I'm doing it with complete strangers. We were driving uh, to work the other day. Beth was um, in the car with me and we had Vivian in the back. And um, this guy was in front of me and it's like a 60 where we were driving and we were kind of like just driving straight and he starts to really like slow down, like really slow down. He goes from 60 to like, I don't know, like 40 or 30. And I'm like, what the heck is this guy doing? And immediately I'm like annoyed by this guy. I never met him before in my life, just a car in front of me. I'm agitated. And, and I see like a left-hand turn to a construction area ahead. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this guy wants to turn in there, but, but he's not signaling at all. And it's probably about 30 seconds where this guy's just so slow and I'm like, do I go around him? And I'm, and I'm kind of like yelling at him in the car. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And Beth is sitting right beside me. And, uh, and he starts to slow down and he's kind of like turning a little bit. And I'm like, bro, if you're gonna turn, just turn. And then he finally turns and I like turn my head to yell back at him and I'm like, use a signal. And then he goes into the thing and I'm going ahead and I like, you know how when you like overreact to something and you kind of, the moment settles and you're just like sitting there and you kind of feel the back of your neck and you're like, ah, I did, didn't really handle that well. And I'm driving and Beth, it's like, I can feel her like not looking at me, but looking at me. And I kind of just like look over and she's just like, 
are you doing okay? You all right? I said, I'm fine. Leave it alone. And we moved on. Or like when you're in the grocery store, I was in the grocery store the other day, man, and this guy was like, he was like pushing his cart and he was in front of me and he was so slow and I couldn't get around him because he didn't have like the courtesy to move off to the side. He was just like dead center in the aisle, like poking along. And it's just like, it's boiling my blood inside. And it's, and it's in these moments where I'm like, listen, bro, you've got to relax. You've got to like, I don't know what's going on with you, but something inside of you is off base and you've got to figure it out. And it's happening with strangers and it's happening with my wife and it's happening with the people that are closest to me in my life. And I'm going, what is going on here? And I, I, I like, I'm spilling my guts here on this. Is anybody empathizing with this? Are you with me at all in this? Like, have you felt this way? Maybe you're not feeling it right now, but have you felt that thin patience with people and frustration with other people and just agitation? You're a bit on edge when you're around people. And I think it's something that we all experience to some level. And if you don't, I mean, praise God, your heads and tails above the rest of us. But we're kind of in this together, this, this agitation, this frustration. And I began to process through, why do I feel this way? What is like underneath that like initial frustration that's causing me to get like so tense with people and so angry with people and so frustrated with people? And, and I started to ask myself, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And I, I got this revelation, and I, I think it, it spoke to me, and I hope it speaks to us today, and it kind of ties back to this story. But I want to suggest today that the reason we can misunderstand or get frustrated or, 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 or just be agitated with people, have low levels of patience, is because the, the reason we're experiencing this frustration is because we're often too focused on the things that we want and not focused enough on the things that God wants. We're too focused on the things that we want in a moment or in a season or in a, in a week, and we're not focused enough on the things that God wants. So what are the things that God wants? Well, anytime we ask that question, we need to go to Scripture to understand what does God actually desire from us as His church, as His people, as His followers? What does God need from us? And so that's where I'm kind of digging into these Scriptures, and I want to talk about this idea of service. What does it look like to serve one another? What does it look like to have a servant's heart? And that's where this, uh, this whole passage in Scripture comes from and what we want to talk about today. And so, uh, Mel, I think you were going to throw this up in, in post, but if you could just throw uh, that story up, and we're going to talk through it a little bit. I'm reading this passage of Scripture, and, the, and, and, and basically it all kind of boils down to what Jesus says to the disciples at the end. He says, whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's a very simple teaching. It's very flipped from what we hear in society. Society tells us, like, it's all about you. Get the next thing. Take the next step. Find a way to, like, accumulate, accumulate. Find the way to comfort yourself. All of this stuff. But, but what God is saying is, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. We're going to flip it on its head. And if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you've got to be a servant. If you want to be first, then you need to be a slave, just like Christ, as he came not to be served, but to serve those around him. And, and, and it's a very, like, it's not a complicated teaching. There's not a whole lot to, like, extrapolate out of that, that story, out of that. We can point back to instances in life, in Jesus' life, where, he, where he's demonstrating the servant's heart to people. But really, in and of itself, it's a, it's a fairly simple teaching. So I started researching this idea of, of service. And what I realized as I'm looking into it is almost in all of the passages that I'm pulling up when it talks about service, it's linked to this idea of unity. When, when, when scripture talks about service, it talks about unity within the body of Christ. And I found that really like an interesting tie, except for this story. It doesn't really mention unity in this at all. It just talks about um, what, the, the fact that Jesus came to serve and not be served. Right? And so I, I looked into this story a little bit more, and, and there's some really interesting things if we break this story down a little bit. And I want to do that here today. The first thing to note, the very first thing to note, is that there is actually a teaching on unity within this story. 
And it comes from this moment where the mother of the sons of Zebedee, so it's James and John, the mother approaches Jesus and asks, Jesus, can my son sit at your right and left hand in your kingdom? Which is a, that's a pretty big ask from a mother for her sons. Like that, I don't think that she really knows what she's talking about. And that's what Jesus says. He's like, you clearly do not know what you're asking me because I don't even have the authority to do that. That's up to my father. But she comes with this selfish ambition. Right? And maybe it's not necessarily for her, but it's for her household, that selfish attitude. And you might say, well, James and John are just kind of caught up in this mother's desire to see the best for her kids. And I would uh, disagree with that because when Jesus presses them on it and says, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink in, in verse 22, both of them go, oh, we can. We can do it. So they're, they're doubling down on this. God, we, we want to be at your right and left. And I know that we're in a room with our other 10 disciples, and there's 12 of us, and we've been really close with you and a close-knit family over these last few years. But listen, we want to be, you know, number one and number two as we're in the kingdom of God. So there's this selfish ambition that is, is, is underlying the approach to Jesus. That's the first thing that we notice. Second thing is that we notice that James and John double down on it, and they go, yeah, we can do this, and they're really in on that selfish ambition. The third thing that I'm noticing as, as, I'm, as I'm reading this passage is what is, that, what is the result of that? As both of them ask, what is the result of that moment for the rest of the people in that community, in that room? Well, it says in verse 24, all right? Verse 24, it says, When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. So this selfish ambition, are you, are you noticing that? Did you catch what it, what it caused? It caused disunity in the group. It caused indignation from the other ten to the two. It broke down what was being built there, the community that was being built there. When selfish ambition takes a hold of an individual and it sets itself above the, the, the service of others, it breaks down the unity of that group. Right? And so we see that in scriptures. But then what happens? What does Jesus do about that? Does he leave it? Does he just not speak to it? Does he move on? No, 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 no. Jesus pulls them together. Verse 25, it says, uh, where is it here? Jesus called them together and he said, First of all, Jesus brings them back into himself. He's got, a, he's got a, something that he wants to communicate with them, but what he does first is he calls them into himself, and then what does he do? He outlines what the world does, and he says this. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. He outlines what the world's expectations are, and he says, listen, that's not how my kingdom works. Not so with you, my disciples. What are we going to do? Instead, instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We see this, this understanding of Jesus to say, like, listen, I know how the world works, and I know how you're conditioned to think because of that. The Gentiles, they take their positions, and they lord it over the people around them. But listen, that is not how it is in my kingdom. In my kingdom, we're first serving one another. We're first um, putting ourselves last, and the last shall be first. And it's interesting, this whole story happens immediately after a teaching Jesus does on this whole idea where that phrase of the first shall be last and the last shall be first is taught. So it's like they just completely went over the disciples' heads. So there's a lesson in there about, like, God's patient with us. Don't worry about it. But I'm, I'm looking about, like, all of these different, like, uh, moments of Scripture, and I, and I keep finding this refrain of the, the gateway to unity is service. The grease on the wheels of unity in the body of Christ is serving one another. And oftentimes when we talk about service, we can immediately think like, oh, I just got to like serve in church. And that is part of it. But it's a greater um, heart of service in the way that we see the things that God has placed in our hands and how we can serve the people around us with those things, right? Um, I want to jump into a, uh, a passage here in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 
And, uh, and listen, I think we're going to throw it up on the screen as well right now, okay? Ephesians 4, and it says this. This is where Paul is writing. Paul is a, is a writer of most of the New Testament. He was a church planner, and he's writing to these different churches that he's planted at different seasons. And he's writing to this church, and he's got some instruction for them. And he lays out what we uh, now call and know of as like the fivefold ministry giftings, right? Um, and so here, here's where it says in Ephesians 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. So it outlines Christ himself is giving these gifts to this community, to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, the fivefold ministries. For what purpose? To what end? Verse 12. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The things that God has given us in our life, the giftings, the talents, the resources, the time, the energy, all of this stuff, why do we have the things that God has given us? So that, we can, so that we're equipped as people for service for one another. This is, this is like a, a foundational point in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And, and what is the result of this service to one another? Like if we've got all of these gifts, the, the point of these gifts isn't to build our own platform. It isn't to lord our gifts over one another. But the things that we've been given, whether it be resources, whether it be finances, whether it be uh, time in our calendar, whether it be uh, actual like gifts of, of prophecy or gifts of teaching and, and gifts of pastoring and all these different things, they're, they're meant for the equipping, they're equipping the believers for the edification and the growth of the body of Christ, that is the church. And it's, and it's everywhere that we see in Scripture. And, and this idea of the body of Christ is like, it's a very important analogy that we see in Scripture. Where every single piece of the body is different, but it all plays together for a greater whole and a greater purpose. And, and, and track with me here, I'm going to take this analogy, um, I'm going to stretch it a little bit, but just like for a thought, the thought experiment, follow me with it. But you see this, this, this analogy of the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, everybody has a different role to play. Everybody has different giftings. Everybody has different things to bring. Uh, some of us uh, are stomachs. Some of us are hands. Some of us are arms. Some of us are bones. Some of us are skin. But each one of us interplays together in relationship to build the body of Christ. All right? Now imagine with me for a second if one day the stomach just decided, I don't really like want to do this anymore. I don't really, I know that I'm great at digesting food, but uh, I just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm kind of worn out about it. I'm kind of sick of the rest of the parts of the body. And I just don't really want to do it. Imagine what that would leave for the rest of the body. What if the eyes one day just decided, hey, listen, I love this body. The body of Christ, it's a great thing. I love being a part of it. Love being able to see for you guys. It's been a real blast. But listen, I also got to see for this other thing. And if I've got enough free time, then I'll see for the body of Christ. Then I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to fit it into my schedule if I can. But really, it's not my, it's the number one thing for sure. But I'm just really busy right now and I just want to squeeze it in. Imagine if then the body's left in the eyes. And, and, and again, like I'm, I'm stretching the, the, the metaphor a little bit here, but, but I think some of us approach what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what it means to be in the body of Christ this way. If I've got time and if it serves me, I'll do it. But if it costs me something, Eh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe I'll be there sometimes, maybe I won't be there sometimes. We'll see. Maybe I'll show up to, to local. Maybe I'll serve my community. Maybe I'll, you know, come to Sundays. Maybe I'll, you know, open up to somebody about what's going on in my life. Maybe I'll pray with somebody. Maybe I'll invite somebody to church. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. We'll see. It just depends on how it, how it serves me. And Jesus flips this whole idea on his head. And listen, and we see it all over the New Testament. Galatians 5, verse 13. Uh, Paul, again, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. 
There it is again, this idea of service. Don't, you've been free and you've been given gifts, but don't use it to, 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 to serve the flesh. Use it to serve one another. And watch out, because you'll devour each other if you're not careful. And again, it's, it's this service tied to unity. In John 13, 35, it, it speaks about this really clearly. It says, By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. How do we love one another? We serve one another. Jesus is asked, like, what are the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord your God with your entire being. How do we love God? We obey his commands. This is outlined in John 5. Um, but then they say, well, then, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, then who's my neighbor? And Jesus outlines this parable of the Good Samaritan. And the point of it is to say, hey, everybody is your neighbor. But listen, let me show you how to love. Who loved him? The one who had mercy on him. The one who pitied him. The one who actually went out of their way to meet the needs of that person in their life. Can you imagine what this would look like in our church if we thought first, how do I serve the people around me? If we thought first, not of what we can gain out of Slate Church or the church or our relationship with God, but if we thought first, hey, I want to become more like Christ and take on the likeness of Christ and serve those in my city, serve those in my community. I want to love people in a way that our world has never really seen and doesn't understand. Why would you do that? Because I just love them. Because God's asked me to. Can you imagine what every single person that calls Slate Church home, doing that would do to this community, doing that would do to the, the surrounding community, would do to the Waterloo region in Ontario. If we want to see disciples made of all of Ontario, we have to be unified as a body and we have to serve one another and serve those around us. And even more important than what we can take from this and, and what we can learn from this is what does this show us about the character of God? As we're looking at, at God, this, this God that we believe created us and created all that we see, as we're looking at that, as we're trying to understand who is God and, and how does he work and, and how do I interplay with him and all of this stuff, what, is, what are the character traits of God that we see demonstrated through the life of Jesus and demonstrated through this uh, story and through this idea of service throughout the New Testament? Well, we see God's great love for his creation. We see that God, although he had no need to create us in the first place, desired relationship and created us, and so he's a relational God, and he didn't desire a relationship to create us just to tell us what to do, but he gave us free will, and he gave us the free will so that we could choose to love him in return because he desires to love us as individuals, as people, and he loves his church. And today as I'm reading these, these passages, I'm overcome with the fact that the way that God set up his kingdom is a kingdom of service. And he doesn't just like monkey say, but he actually does. He says, don't just do what I say, but do what I do. And let me demonstrate to you how much I love you, that I would send my only son to come and to bear the weight of your sin and your shame and your separation from me. Listen, the story that we just read about the mother and the sons and the disciples, it's a story about, about unity and it's a story about service, but it's a, it's a story that calls back to the greater narrative of Scripture. The greater narrative of Scripture, that is, God created us to be in relationship with us, like the twelve there, that community. And what did we do? Out of selfish ambition and pride, we chose to, to sin and to separate ourselves from God. So what does God do? He sends His Son, Jesus. And in that moment where Jesus calls the disciples to Himself, in a greater picture of that, Jesus dies on the cross so that we can be reconciled to Him in relationship. So that we can know that God loves us and there's an opportunity for us to be in relationship with God. Listen, if you're on the other side of this screen today and you, you got questions about who God is and how you in, interplay with Him and what, what does it mean to have a relationship with God and all this stuff. If you take anything away from this message today, especially if this is your first time, I want you to know that God loves you. Loves you more than you can imagine, more than you can wrap your head around. The fact that He would take on our sin and, and loves you so much that He would go to the cross and die. I had a daughter two months ago. Her name is Vivian. And she doesn't do anything for me. She doesn't do a single thing. In fact, she makes my life 
a thousand times more difficult. She cries, she poops, she eats, she pees on me and pukes on me. And what do I feel towards her is love. And what do I do every single day? I serve her. I, uh, I can't feed her. Beth feeds her, obviously, right? But I can change her diaper. I can change her clothes. I can make her smile. I can spend time with her. What do I think of when I wake up in the morning? I think of her and how I can spend time with her. What do I think of when I'm busy and when I'm working? I think of her and just I want to be with her and spend time with her. I want to invest in her. I want to serve her. I want to see her grow into all that she can be. And the more that I, I grow as a, as a dad, the more that I understand the love of God towards us as people. The more that I have patience for the people around me because God has patience for me. The more that I love the people around me because God loves me. The more that I'm convicted to say, listen, it's not about me in this life. This day in and day out, it's not about what I can acquire and what I can build and what I can do. It's about what God has asked me to do. It's about how can I set my life aside, my ambition, my pride, and say, God, how do I serve you? And listen, I want to create an opportunity here. We're, we're closing out our service here today. We're going to go into some time of worship. But listen, if you're on the other side of this camera and you have never heard the message that Jesus loves you, that God loves you, that he desires relationship with you, like a father loves their child, God loves you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. And, and, and the Bible says if we would just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we would confess with our tongue, we'll be saved. Today I want to create an opportunity. If you're on the other side and you want to accept the free gift of salvation and love that God has for you and say, you know what, I want, to, I want to commit my life to learning more about the words and the ways of Jesus and becoming more like Christ. I want to accept this gift of salvation that was paid on the cross for me by Jesus. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're at home, I, I want to invite you to raise your hand. If you're at a watch party, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. No one's paying attention. This is a moment between you and God, an outward declaration of your decision to say, God, I want to follow you all of the days of my life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for every person on the other side of this camera that is making a decision in this moment to, to submit their life to you, God, to serve you in their life, to, to just say, God, I, I believe that you've come and that you've died on the cross for my sin, that you've paved the way for me to be in relationship with you, and we want to submit our lives to you, Lord. We just pray that you would bless them today, God, that you would be near to them today, God, and that you would open their eyes to the love that you have for them, and that you would bring into their path people that can walk with them in this journey of faith. We love you, Jesus, and ask all of this in your name. Amen. And the second group of people I want to pray for today are people like myself that maybe have not seen the opportunities around them to serve the people in their community. Maybe have viewed church in different seasons and different times as frustrating, viewed the people in church as agitating. I don't get why you would do this. I don't understand how you would operate this way. I want to invite each one of us today to take a moment to just say, God, I need you to change my heart because we can't just muster up the love that we need for people. We can't muster up this desire to serve one another. We need that to be given to us by God. We need the Holy Spirit to, to, to strengthen us to love and to serve and to see first the ways that we can build into the people around us as opposed to the way that we can build into ourselves. And so if that's you today, again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to just like open up your hands or raise a hand or do whatever you do to symbolize, God, that's me today. I need you to change my heart to serve one another. Why don't we pray together? God, we thank you so much for the example that you set in your son, Jesus, that you didn't come to be served, God. You didn't come so that everything around you could just serve you, but God, you came to serve and to save and to seek out the lost, Lord. 
We thank you for that example, Lord. We thank you for the teachings that are in your word. God, we thank you that uh, we have an opportunity to, to dig into something like this, God. And we thank you ultimately that you're here with us now in this moment, God. And so I just pray for everybody who's got their hands out, for everybody who's got a hand raised to say, listen, I've, I've been misunderstanding God's church. I've been misviewing it. And I want to I take a moment to serve in a new way, to love in a new way, to lay down my life for those around me in a new way today, God. I just pray that you would give them the strength today, not in just in this moment, but as they leave this place and as they process through maybe this past season and the season we're going into, God. I pray that you would just speak uh, just new life into their heart, a new strength into their heart, God. Give them a God perspective on the people around them and the opportunities that they have to get to use what you've first given them to serve your church, God, to build your body and to build into the people around them. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your church. We thank you for the opportunity to be a part of Slate Church. We thank you for the opportunity to serve and invest back into who you are and what you're doing in this city, God, and in this nation. We pray for Ontario, God, and we pray that this vision to see disciples made of all of Ontario wouldn't just be something that we say, God, but something that we live out and act out in our day in and day out lives. We love you, Jesus, and ask all this in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.